Welcome to the Revealed Thine Truth podcast. Well, this is our first episode where we will be discussing the Oakland County Child Killer. Before I get right into it, uh, make sure to subscribe to our podcast. Follow us over on Instagram at our Thine Truth Show. Again, that's at our truth, our, sorry, our, thine truth show over on Instagram. But without further ado, let's get into it. So, background. Between February 15th, 1976 and March 16th, 1977, two boys and two girls aged between 10 and 12 years old went missing outside their homes on route to or from another location in Oakland County, Michigan. Each child's body was discovered in a public area within 19 days of his or her disappearance. The children were all either strangled or shot, with the two boys having been sexually abused. The four deaths triggered a murder investigation, which at the time was the largest in US history. With Detroit's two daily newspapers, as well as the area's numerous radio and television stations covering the case, a presentation on WXYT radio entitled Winter's Fear, The Children, The Killer, the search won the Peabody Award in 1977. So let's go straight into the investigation. After the discovery of Christine Mihalik's body, authorities noticed similarities shared by her case and those of Mark Stebbins and Jill Robinson and reports were released warning the public that a serial killer was possibly operating in the Oakland County area. The Michigan State Police led a group of law enforcement officials from 13 communities in the formation of a task force, devoted solely to the investigation into the killings of the three children. After Timothy King disappeared, A woman told authorities that she had seen a boy with a skateboard, like King, talking to a man in the parking lot of the drugstore that King went to on March 16th, 1977. A composite drawing of the suspected kidnapper and his blue AMC gremlin was released and authorities questioned every gremlin owner in Oakland City. Oakland County, sorry. Investigators created a profile based on witnesses' descriptions of the man seen talking to King. A white male aged between 25 and 35, with a dark complexion, saggy hair and sideburns, who had a job that gave him freedom of movement and made him appear trustworthy to children, was familiar with the area and could keep children captive for long periods of time without rousing 
neighbours' suspicions. The task force checked more than 18,000 tips, which resulted in about two dozen arrests on unrelated charges and the discovery of a multi-state child pornography ring operating on North Fox Island in Lake Michigan. The task force was unable to make much headway in the investigation, disbanding in December 1978. With the investigation being turned over to the state police, suspects and persons of arrest. A few weeks after the death of Timothy King, a psychiatrist who worked with the task force received a letter riddled with spelling errors written by an anonymous anonymous author alien claiming to be a sadomasochist slave of Frank the OCCK Alan wrote that they had both served in the Vietnam War and that Frank was traumatised by having killed children and had taken revenge on more affluent citizens such as the the residents of Birmingham, wanting rich people to suffer for sending forces to Vietnam. Alan expressed fear and remorse in his letter saying he was losing his sanity, his, his sanity and was endangered and suicidal, and admitted to having accompanied Frank as the latter sought boys to kill. Alan instructed the psychiatrist to respond by, pre- by printing the code words Weather Bureau says trees to bloom in three weeks in that Sunday's free press edition. Before offering to provide photograph, photographic evidence in exchange for immunity from prosecution, the psychiatrist arranged to meet Alan at a bar, but Alan did not show up and was never heard from again. So, this is difficult because when you're dealing with a man who, I mean, I don't know for certain if he did serve in the Vietnam War, but if we are dealing with a man who suffers from post-traumatic stress disorder over the killings that he did, then there is some evidence to show that he would act this way. Um, the reason why I say that is because I've got, you know, I've got some skin in the game, as in I suffer from PTSD myself, but also that's just my opinion. I'm not. I, that's not a professional opinion. That's just my pers- personal opinion. So, Archibald Edward. Sloan, a child molester who who victimised young boys in his neighbourhood, became a person of interest after hair samples found in his 1966 Pontiac Bonneville matched hair found on the bodies of Timothy King and Mark Stebbins. But the hair was not from Sloan himself. 
a witness claimed to have seen Timothy King abducted by two men, one described as being in his late 20s and the other described as bearing a strong resemblance to serial killer John Wayne Gacy. Let me know down below or follow us on Instagram and let me know if you want me to cover John Wayne Gacy and get my opinion. He was allegedly in Michigan around the time of the killings. Gacy's DNA did not match DNA found on the victim's bodies. Police in Palmer Heights, Ohio, arrested Tam Labogain, a retired auto worker believed to have been involved in a child pornography ring in the 1970s. 1970s, sorry, on March 27. 27th, 2007. Investigators told Detroit television station WXYZ that Lamborghini was considered the top suspect in this case. Lamborghini pleaded guilty to 15 sex-related counts involving young boys rather than accept a plea bargain that would have required him to take a polygraph test on the Oakland County child killings. Lamborghini also rejected an offer of a reduced sentence in exchange for a polygraph on the case. So in other words, he knew that if he took the polygraph, either way he'd be he would have been fucked anyway. So So that was in my opinion uh simple. You know, good thing that he did. Um, in October 2007, the family of Mark Stebbins filed a wrongful death lawsuit against Lamborghini seeking $25,000. The lawsuit alleges Lamborghini, who lived in Metro Detroit in the late 1970s, abducted Stebbins and held him captive in a Royal Oak house for four days in February 1976, before smothering him to death during a sexual assault. Lamborghini has never been formally linked, nor charged, in the death of Mark Stebbins. Attorney David A. Binkley has sought compensation, including funeral costs for Stebbins' brother, Michael, but stressed that money is secondary. The case sparked new interest when Temi King's father, Barry, and brother, Chris, tried to get the Michigan State Police to make, to release information about Chris Bush, the son of Harold Lee Bush, a high-level General Motors executive. Chris Bush had been in police custody shortly before Timmy's abduction for suspected involvement in child pornography. He allegedly committed suicide in November 1978. There was no gunshot residue found on him, on him, though, and no blood splatter. Furthermore, there were four shell casings found in his room. He was also found wrapped neatly under his seats. There was one bullet hole between his eyes, no blood, and blood-stained ligatures were found in his apartment. As 
was a hand-drawn image of a boy closely resembling Mark Stebbins. Nearly 20 months prior to Bush's death, the Michigan State Police have since released 3,400 pages of investigative records to Barry King. <coughs> Resumed investigation and new evidence. Police reports obtained by Barry King included new revelations, including DNA testing of new sub- suspects, a sketch found at the scene of Bush suicide of a boy resembling Mark Stebbins, screaming and wearing a hooded t-shirt, and a bloody rope also found at the scene of Bush's death. Catherine Broad, sister of Timothy King, compiled an archive of investigation material as the case grew. Upon researching the case records, the King family produced a documentary entitled Decades of Deceit. The documentary condemns the investigation, the investigators and prosecutions for alleged soddy investigations and uncooperative communication, and in particular of disregarding these the King family discovered in 2006. Funds generated from the sale of the documentary were donated to the Tim King Fund, designated to help abused children and support child activities for Birmingham children. DNA tests of hair. Forensic DNA tests conducted in 2012 showed that hair found on the seat of Sloan's 1966 Pontiac Bonneville and on the bodies of Stebbins and King were a match, and came from the same unknown man. The hair DNA does not match Sloan, but implicates someone he knew or lent his car to. Current Developments 2012 Case Reopening In 2013, an anonymous informant reported a blue AMC gremlin buried in a farm field now being developed in Grand Blanc. Police are investigating the gremlin for ties to the crime as Timothy King was last seen in a blue gremlin. Jeff Gannon In 2005, an unidentified man who would later emerge to become a common figure in the case and has been referred to by the alias of Jeff <coughs> was reminded of a relationship he had in 1977 with an acquaintance. In an interview given to Oakland County investigators in 2010, Jeff informed them of a of atypical observations and actions <coughs> while driving and conversing conversing with the acquaintance, such as taking him to buildings where satanic rituals were performed. According to the acquaintance, the acquaintance navigated through lesser-known routes associated with the case with ease. The acquaintance also spoke of details written in Allen's letter. Jeff requested information about the Allen letter to help confirm his suspicions, but was denied. 
In 2010, Jeff gave a recorded interview to Oakland County investigators and prosecutor Jessica Cooper to present evidence pertaining to the investigation. Jeff claimed to have tried to approach her with his findings and to convince her to place the case under the jurisdiction of the Department of Justice to expedite the case. The department was already involved as FBI investigators and through resources such as the VICAP database, Prosecutor Cooper dismissed his suggestions and as there was no new evidence presented, his request to inspect the Annan letter was denied. Cooper describes the interview on the Oakland County Prosecutor's Office blog as a rambling statement outlining a theory that the Oakland County child killer abductions and murders were related to pagan holidays, the lunar calendar and wicked rituals. Jeff proceeded to correspond with Deborah Jarvis, mother of victim Christine Mihelic, and investigative journalists such as Bill Proctor and Heather Cataglio in 2010. He claimed that he was among a team of a dozen investigators involved with the case and could identify the perpetrator of the crimes, but refused to indicate which law enforcement division he worked for. He claimed to have invested 10,000 hours into the investigation over several years, but was reluctant to release his results as he doubted the competence of Wayne and Oakland County investigators in a press release email. Jeff indicated possibly meddling by Jessica, Jessica Cooper and other reasons as to why he had not made his investigation public. According to Paul Hayes, Paul Hughes, sorry, an attorney representing Jarvis, Jeff's investigation discovered the murderer. However, according to Hughes, Jeff refused to identify the culprit unless the authorities divulged crucial information which Jeff requested during the initial phone questioning in 2010. Jeff wanted to positively confirm the identity of his suspect using the police evidence before proceeding further. In 2012, Jeff presented his findings to a select group of Detroit journalists on Hughes' cell phone. To preserve his anonymity, he insisted that his phone interview with Hughes not be recorded. He theorised that the killers were conducting Wiccan human sacrifice rituals coinciding with pagan celebrations or the lunar calendar. Excuse me one minute. <coughs> Again, if you would like me to look into doing an episode on on Wiccan, then let me know. <coughs> it. I do believe in that sort of thing, but I don't know if it's funny. So again, if you want me to, so again, if that seems something you'd be interested in, 
having me cover, then do let me know. Um, according to Jeff, there was a total of approximately 11 to 16 victims, significantly more than the four officially confirmed victims. Jeff claimed the team found a number of similarities among the cases that were highly unlikely to be purely coincidental. <coughs> Based on this information, Hughes, uh, Hughes attempted a lawsuit against the Oakland County authorities for $100 million, citing mishandling of the investigation and demanding Cooper's resignation. The lawsuit alleged a cover-up conspiracy and obstruction. Hughes' website solicited donations and offered a copy of Jeff's report for a donation of $1,500. The families of the victims and Cooper claimed that Hughes and Jeff were attempting to profit on their distress. The case was dismissed in March 2012 for lack of evidence. Arch Sloan In February 2019, the Investigation Discovery Channel aired a two-part, four-hour documentary about the killings. At this same time, WXYZ TV investigative reporter Heather Cotillo announced that a key suspect convicted child sex offender Arch Edward Sloan had failed a polygraph test when he was interviewed by the Oakland County Child Killer Task Force in 2010 and 2012. Back in 2012, new DNA excuse me, technology found that Sloan's car in 1966, Bonneville contained hair with the same mitochondrial profile as evidence found on the victims. However, however, it is not Sloan's. So, so I would go out and go out on the limb and say that the case is still ongoing, still being proceeded. But let's <coughs> go on to the victims. So, confirmed. Mark Stebbins, 12, of Femdale, did not return home from an American Legion horde. On February 15th, 1976, his body was found four days later, wearing the same clothes he was last seen in lying in a snowbank in the parking lot of a local office building, he had been strangled and sexually abused with a foreign object and had two lacerations to the left rear of his, of his head. Rope marks were evident on both his wrists and ankles, indicating he had been bound during his captivity. Jill Robinson, 12, of Royal Oak, left her home, left her home on December 22nd, 1976, <coughs> following an argument with her mother over dinner preparations. The following day, her bicycle was found behind a local hobby store before her body was found alongside Interstate 75 in Troy, within view of Troy Police Station. On the morning of December 26, she had been shot in the face with a 12-gauge shotgun 
and her body was full-clothed and wearing the backpack she had taken with her when she left home. Christine Mihalik, 10, of Berkeley, was reported missing on January 2nd, 1977, after she failed to return home from a 7-Eleven store in Oakshire. A mall carrier found her fully clothed body 19 days later on the side of a rural road in Franklin Village. She had been smothered to death less than 24 hours earlier, and her body lay within a few of nearby homes. Timothy King, 11, left his home in Birmingham and went to a drugstore on that evening of March 16th, 1977. After he failed to return home, an intensive search covering the entire Detroit metropolitan area was conducted. Before his body was found on the evening of March 22nd by two teenagers, in shallow ditch alongside Jill Road in Livonia. He had been sexually assaulted with a foreign object and suffocated approximately six hours earlier. Suspected. There were other abductions and murders around the Oakland County area within the same period. These are not specifically tied to the four victims above due to variations in the case. Cynthia Caddo, 16, of Roseville, was found bludgeoned to death on January 16, 1976, in Bloomfield Township. Jane Allen, 14, was found dead in a river in Miamisburg, Ohio, on August 11, 1976, four days after she accepted a ride while hitchhiking in Royal Oak. She had died from carbon monoxide poisoning. <coughs> Disproved. Sheila Schrock, 14, was raped and shot dead while babysitting in Birmingham on January 20th, 1976. Her killer, Oliver Rhodes Andrews, had burglarised several homes in the, in the neighbourhood earlier that evening. And a neighbour witness while snow shoveling his roof, Andrews was sentenced to life imprisonment. Possible. Kimberly Alice King, 12, disappeared from Warren on September 15, 1979. Authorities believe she was abducted and that her, and that her disappearance is connected to the unsolved killings. That lack and <clears throat> the Oakland County child killer is also known as the babysitter killer and the babysitter. <clears throat> His span of crimes were between February 15th, 1976 to March 16th, 1977. So, as I say, this case is probably still ongoing. In my opinion, there's probably more victims than stated. Um, but yeah, I thought I would start off the first episode with 
you know, and with the Oakland County Child Killer. Again, let me know what you think. Um, if you're listening listening to this on Anchor, um, let me know what you think. Um, leave a like rate, leave a like rating, comment what you think. The podcast will be available on other platforms shortly, and when, once they are, I will let you know on Instagram. So do follow me over there. The podcast is again at our thine truth show on instagram if you if you just type in revealed thine truth will pop up so do follow us over there and until the next episode i hope you're all staying safe if you have to go out only go out if it's an emergency or if you are a key worker but otherwise keep safe stay six feet apart wash your hands if you need and if you are struggling with your mental health mental health then please get in touch with your local service you know there are support out there but yeah i hope you enjoy the rest of your evening or day wherever you are and until next time See you on the next see you on the next episode.